Hi everyone, this is Dave Wright and welcome to the Player Development Project Podcast. I hope you're all having an excellent week wherever you're tuning in around the world. This week we have a brand new blog from a new contributor, Ruth Nicholson. Ruth is an expert in the administration and organization of youth sport. She's based in the US and we've been introduced to her by Reed Maltby, one of our regular and long-time PDP contributors. Ruth has shared an article on some of the secrets of successful clubs, and this is a great read which includes some quality practical advice if you're involved in creating club cultures and programs. Look out for more content from Ruth in the future. Next week we'll have another brilliant masterclass discussion for you. I'll be joined by Arthur Brammer, former Foundation Phase lead coach at Fulham Football Club, now working in the academy at New York City. I was lucky enough to work with Arthur for a couple of years in London, and he is one of the top youth coaches I've had the privilege of working with, so look out for that conversation. As always, the full discussion will be available on the website, and we will be releasing a portion of that via the podcast too. Today, Dan Wright and I discuss another community question, this time around effective communication with your players. Now this is a great topic, there's loads of different angles and considerations, so we tried to throw a few ideas in the mix and we hope you enjoy it. Don't forget to send your questions to us via the PDP Facebook or Twitter channels or on email. We've been getting some excellent questions lately and we'll keep working hard to answer them and share ideas with the PDP community. As always, don't forget, head over to playerdevelopmentproject.com where you can sign up to access all of our top coaching content. Hi everyone, my name's Dave Wright and welcome to another Player Development Project Q&A. As usual, I'm joined by PDP Technical Advisor Dan Wright. Dan, how are you going? I'm good, thank you. How are you, Dave? I'm good, I'm good. Looking forward to this one. Now, uh, the question we're uh, tackling this week is a really interesting one. The short end of the question is how do I manage coach-player communication effectively? But I want to provide a little bit of context. Now, this question has come in from Steve via Facebook. Steve's working with under 14 girls, and he's saying that he's really trying his best to facilitate a problem-solving environment. He's using a lot of Q&A with his players in terms of communication style, Um, but he's also got an issue where the players are, in his eyes, asking uh, a few too many questions and sort of stopping the session because they're asking so many questions that it's becoming a little bit of a problem. He's acknowledged that this is an area, sort of a psychosocial area with a lot of complexity that comes with it, especially working with teenagers. So he's he's clearly showing some self-awareness in his coaching. But it's a really interesting one because it seems to be stifling the session. So whilst we've done a a sort of communication strategies Q&A in the past, this is a much more, I guess, specific issue. And uh, there's sort of a few things that have popped up in our minds as to how Steve can deal with this. So Dan, what are your first thoughts on this one? Um... My first thought was that this is like a good problem. Like it's nice that the players feel comfortable uh, to ask questions and it probably shows how kind of relaxed and um, settled they are and safe in that environment that they, they, they're happy to ask so many questions and they want to engage with the coach. So I wouldn't necessarily look at it as, although it could be frustrating, I wouldn't look at it as a negative because I think a negative would be nobody asking any questions and kind of that old school coaches in charge and the players play and the coaches talk and, and, and that kind of traditional system. So I'd look at it as probably a nice problem or an emergent problem from creating this really safe um, and, and relaxed environment where the players are comfortable. That would be my, mm. my initial take. I think we've got some some strategies of how to kind of challenge this, but that would be um, my hot take. How about for you? Yeah, look, I think that one of the first things that popped into my head was um – I guess, are these players being under 14 girls? And I think it's the same, whether it's boys or girls, teenage players. 
as they're starting to develop, they're starting to challenge authority a little bit. Um, now, I'm not saying that the coach by default should be uh, the authority, but the coach is obviously overseeing the environment, is the responsible adult in the environment. And it could be a little bit of the kids just trying to push the coach and see how far they can go. So whether some of these questions are sarcastic or whether some of these questions are authentic um, could, be, could be a real challenge in terms of how the, how the coach manages that as to whether they're trying to push the boundaries or whether they're genuinely interested in learning yeah. and understanding. So I think that's something that we can address a little bit as well. What are your sort of first strategies in terms of how Steve can, I guess, start addressing this and improving it from your side, mate? Yeah, well, I, I work with teenage players, and this is something that I've experienced where they, they just love a chat and they would <laughs> quite happily, like you said, ask questions sometimes to be better at the practice, but sometimes to try and maybe make a joke or to, to get kind of uh, status points with their peers. I think that the, the thing that I've tried to do is mix up how I would start a session and, and mix up the style of perhaps how I coach it. So some very simple ideas would be uh, start the practice with 2v2s, so have the pitch is already laid out, whether that's end zones or goals or whatever, and just put the kids straight into a 2v2 and don't give them any instructions apart from it's a 2v2. So when they ask the question, go, I don't know, just play, just play, mm. just play. And that will start to kind of eradicate those silly questions of, you know, are we allowed to do this? Or are we allowed to do that? A lot of my answers to those questions are it's football. Mm. So if you're allowed to do it in football, you can do it now. And, and, um, to take that to an extreme, I've even done sessions where I've written the kind of first practice on a whiteboard and not coached at all. Mm-hmm. They're not coached, not talked at all. <laughs> so we'd set up with a, a possession practice or a rondo or a small-sided game, whatever it is, and I would do a little squiggle on the, the whiteboard of this is what the session looks like. Here are the kind of three or four um, constraints or the rules or whatever, and say the information's on the board mm. and see, see how the kids go. And I think mixing up that style will um, still leave the door open for you to go back to that kind of slower Q&A, uh, open type environment. Yeah. But also, we're doing this today, boom, let's go. And yeah. then maybe the players would, would, would mix up between those two environments. Well, you're still setting a problem there, aren't you? And I think there's often, you know, question and answer as a communication style can often become the default. You know, I think... I sort of think Q&A is a style I like to use personally when I'm coaching. I want players to be thinking, but then you've got to be really clever with your questions. You don't want to be asking closed questions. So that's something that you know I think you need to be aware of. But if you're putting it on the board and saying, right, here's a task, there's the pitch, go solve it, then there's really little room for question. They've got to go and experiment before they might ask mm-hmm. a question. Can we can we run into this area or can we pass through here? Again, in a 2v2, it's, it's a pretty simple simple scenario. So again, if you can simplify it and set the task... I think also we need to talk about managing or, I guess, setting expectations. And I know you've had some experience here uh, with Stu Armstrong and some thoughts he had on this. I mean, I've had teams in the past where at the start of the season it will be, you know, the coach may lay out some expectations on the players, you know, turning up on time, being responsible with kit, standards that they then might put onto their peers, but also asking them what they expect of you as a coach. And I know you've got some thoughts on this. Yeah, so um, I've seen Stu deliver this a couple of times where he'll start a practice with, with players or even with coaches like on a, on a CPD type event where he will look to kind of almost do a verbal contract with the players. So he'll say to the players, what, what do you expect from me? And they would say something like, you know, pushing us hard or making sure the practices are fun or making sure we get a chance to score a goals. And then he'll say to them, so what can I expect from you? 
And uh, <laughs> even even as an adult being asked that by a coach, you're thinking, wow, what a great question. So then you might say things like, well, we're going to work hard. And he would say, you know, well, well how will we measure that? You're like, how, how will it, you know, yeah. how will we quantify whether you are working hard? And you get to kind of some detail of, well, we're going to work hard and, and anything that drops below like an eight or a seven out of 10, uh, you can remind us. So one of those expectations you could maybe start this dialogue with your players would be, you know, how many questions are you going to ask before a session or how long are we going to talk for before a session starts? So if we haven't started a session after three minutes, what are we going to do about it? So there, those might be some nice kind of um, uh, boundaries, I suppose, that you could put in place with your players and say, do you remember we said we'd only talk for two minutes at the beginning of the session? Um, another thing that's just popped into my head, which is not really the answer to your question, <laughs> would be allowing some time for kids to actually get this out of their system. So I think if the kids are coming from different areas or they come from different schools or it's after school and there's, there's stuff in their heads that they want to talk about, you might design a 10-minute area, a five-minute area where the kids can just talk. Mm. So it could be um, ball mastery, balls and twos, and that could be their time for them to talk to each other and get out of their system. And then the session starts at five minutes past six, in you come. No, we've done that time already. Yeah. Now we're, we're now doing some coaching time. And I think mixing up those faces of Q&A coach to serious coach to command coach is quite fun for the players. I think if you always do the same thing, it can become a bit samey and, and, and boring. So I've gone a bit off piece there, but that, that popped into my head as I was explaining that story. Yeah, I think, well, I think you touched on the idea a little bit of ownership there and also giving the kids some responsibility around what their session looks like. And I think there's, it takes a degree of trust and it takes a degree of confidence from the coach to say, okay, I'm comfortable stepping back and giving the players this time, whether it's just managing your own warm-up, getting on the ball, getting a few touches, you know, as you say, ball between three, or it might be 3v1s or something like that, just to say, off you go, get yourself ready, and that's your little arrival or engagement activity. I remember being on our A-license course, and Ted Dale, who was the uh, national coach educator there running the course and the course director, shared an idea with us around uh, getting buy-in from players. And that was to say, well, if you had a, an 18-minute practice, for example, that you knew you were going to work for 18 minutes on a topic, he talked about the idea of, okay, express to the players that for the first six minutes, I'm going to own it as a coach. For the middle six minutes, we're going to share that time. And for the final six minutes, you players are going to own it completely. Now, I'm not saying that's a rule, but I thought it was a really nice way in terms of an example of articulating I guess sharing the time and saying, okay, for six minutes, I just want to get this little bit of coaching work in, which is going to help you. Then we're going to talk about it, test it. You're going to have a go at it. And then the last six minutes, you're going to completely own that. And I'm going to sit back and observe. So I think that's something that you can look at doing by just communicating with the players and saying, okay, we're going to share the time. And, you know, it's almost a mutual respect sort of boundary, isn't it? Where, you know, I'm here to help you. I'm here to teach and facilitate. And you're here to have a great experience and hopefully learn a few things. And we're going to try and manage that together. And I think just having yeah. the open conversation, particularly with this age group, when they will challenge you is important. I think all you're doing there is framing what the session's going to look like. So um, I will quite often frame the session or frame the day of we're going to do this. Then we're going to do a small sided game. And then we're going to finish with a finishing practice. Mm. Because that might be one of the questions. What are we doing today? When do we play a game? When do we get to do this? Will there be goals? Will we, like, <laughs> so if you frame the session, you might answer. It's almost like playing guess who with the questions, isn't it? You might knock off 50% of the questions if you yeah. have on a whiteboard the format of the session. So when the kids say, how long are we playing for a game today? It's on the board. Get yeah. used to looking on the board. Yeah, um, and that, 
it might knock off some of your questions straight away. I think it would also be useful when we've talked about mixing up um, coaching styles to maybe quickly rattle through what are the kind of traditional ones and what are maybe those gaps. So it's difficult to say there are five types of coaching sessions, <laughs> uh, sorry, coaching styles, because there's obviously millions of um, nuances in those. But maybe we could just quickly run through those and yeah. where the differences are. Yeah, definitely worth exploring those ideas, Dan. And just before we do, just on the whiteboard idea, I think uh, it's an area that I've been sort of trying to use at the moment. And just putting a whiteboard up with that session plan, you know, from 5.40 to 6 p.m., it's going to be warm up. And from 6 till 6.20, it's going to be this. So I think having that plan is really great for the players in terms of understanding what they're going to do. And then also just putting three individuals on the board and saying these are what your challenges for the night are going to be. The team is then all seeing that. The players are aware that they have to go to the board and see their challenge. And we can talk about it as we go. So again, we're sort of clearing up that communication as to what's going to happen before we start. But in terms of the traditional coaching uh, communication styles, where do you want to go with that one? Yeah, I think um, I'm not sure what the coach education is like in Australia, but in the UK, the kind of idea that there's maybe four or five core pillars um, you know, we're probably talking about Q&A here. We could also talk about guided discovery, trial and error, um, command style. But I think where, where I'd kind of encourage the coach to go with this one is maybe to record yourself either, and we've talked about this before, getting someone to do it um, with a camera or even if you just put your phone on kind of um, is it voice memo and stick it in your pocket. Yeah. And then you might just improve your awareness of, of what your coaching style is. So, you know, the, the reason that kids might be asking questions is because you might be encouraging them to do so or you haven't given clear expectations or clear um, rules or considerations of what the, what the practice, what the day is going to look like. So I think the, 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 the where I wanted to go to with the coaching styles was, that, is there a, a level of kind of self-awareness of, of how you're coaching mm. and then the behaviours that that kind of encourages or discourages with the players? And if you went to the other end of the, the, the spectrum, so if you're always doing Q&A, if you did a couple of practices where they're really command style, um, which I suppose maybe um, command style or trial and error is where we were going with that kind of whiteboard or straight into 2v2 ideas. It might just be completely different and you might see some completely different behavior from the player. So raising that level of awareness, I think you could then um, maybe start to kind of tweak your, your coach approach and see if you're getting different different responses. Absolutely, huge power in just hearing yourself talking or, or seeing yourself on video if you've got the ability to do it. In terms of more contemporary styles, I mean, we've spoken in the past about the idea of drive-by coaching. So again, it could be that you set the players the task, they're into their work, and then maybe you just walk in and on the run, you're having a conversation with a player about something. Are you aware that perhaps you could have received on this foot or can you tell me what happened there? Just little moments where you can step in and help. In terms of other contemporary styles, I think it's important to start understanding the concepts of praise and empathy and some of these different ideas as to how, how you need to be clever when you use them. Um, mm. and, and I guess they're just different ideas. You know, we, We've talked a lot about growth mindset in, in the past, so this goes back to the language with which you communicate. Um, so I think there's a few ideas there for Steve in terms of different methods, but also getting them on task quickly. I think there's a real early engagement here um, where we need to get them switched on, get them ready to train, give them that time, as you've said, uh, to sort of get into their session and be ready to train. And then try and, I guess, humor some of the questions if they're, if they're trying to push the boundary. But also sometimes as a coach, you've got to draw the line in the sand as well. Yeah, and um, go, you know, why are we here? We're here to practice football, so should we do that rather than <laughs> constant Q&A? 
Um, yeah. I think if we were, if you were in a situation where you did manage to get yourself filmed or recorded yourself talking, you might get an idea of ball rolling time. Yes. Um, which is which is how active the ball is during the session versus you know you stopping it or players stopping it or water breaks or moving from X to Z. So how much play is there actually in that 90 minutes? Is it an hour? Is it less? Mm. That could then be a really powerful conversation to have with the players. So if we feel like there's too much talk either from me as a coach or them as a player, we could we, we could start the session with, do you know last week we trained for 90 minutes but we only actually played for 47? And the kids would be like, whoa. And so like, so what, some of the, what are some of the strategies that we could do to get that 47 up to, to 60? Mm. And they could say, well, you know, we could do X, Y, Z, cool. So when they, they start to ask questions, we could go, questions are great, but we've only got 30 seconds, so go. And then does that question need to be me with that player and, and all, all the teammates or just me and that player? And then you're going back into your drive-bys and kind of pulling players out. So you could start a practice. And if somebody's got a question, out you come, ask me a question whilst the other ones can carry on learning and carry on playing. So I think it, I think what we're talking about is that level of awareness, isn't it? It's do you understand what's happening and why it's happening? And are, are there tweaks that you could do as a coach to probably drive the behaviours that you want to see? Yeah, certainly. Look, there's some supporting content on the website in the form of a masterclass discussion with Professor Stephen Rolnick, um, teamwork and problem solving, as well as a communication one. Um, and there's also a great article from Reed Maltby, who's obviously part of the PDP Mentors Program and a longtime contributor. Uh, Reed's got an article called 140 Character Coaching, which I know we've referenced before. But again, in terms of punchy communication, there's some great advice in there. So if there's any, uh, if there's any additional information that Steve or anyone listening needs to seek out, search communication on the website and there's plenty of content there. Dan, thank you so much for your time. It's been a really interesting conversation. Yeah, great question. I think it's somewhere that you could... Uh you go down many rabbit holes with that one, couldn't you? Definitely, and hopefully we've helped uh, Steve out with his coaching and wish his under-14 girls team all the best for the remainder of the season. We will look forward to another Player Development Project Q&A very soon. Thanks for joining us on the Player Development Project podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at PlayerDP or find us on Facebook. Don't forget to head over to playerdevelopmentproject.com where you can sign up to our progressive coaching community and gain access to our wide variety of resources to help you in your coaching.